Charles Louis Far 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 I'm not hungover, so that's always oh, a bonus. Well, everybody will be relieved about that. What do you think? Oh, it wasn't good last week. Polo- apologies to everyone. We wanted to talk today about all sorts of things, and I wanted to get a few shout-outs out of the way first. Oh, good. You know how we talk about the quiet listeners? Oh, yes. The yes. friends who don't tell us that we're that they're listening. <laughs> we want to hear that you're listening, so we can give you these shout-outs. Julien! My old friend and colleague from my fashion days, who's just had a baby. Congratulations, what? Julien. He listens, so here's his shout out. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Then there's my husband's cousins, twins Danny and Matt, who yeah. have said, it's quite out there. They keep saying, it's quite out there, isn't it? It's quite wacky, isn't it? <laughs> so I don't know if that means they like it or not, but here's your shout out. And then... Three lovely ladies from the Dulwich region of London. Emily, Emma and Lynn, who I promised to give a shout out. Should they be listening, they will hear it. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! You're getting a shout out! I like to think of people who are quietly listening that suddenly hear their name and a nice little, you know, pleasantry. It makes their day. Well, Wiz is still a listener. And Phoebe was with her the other day, heard the podcast, and I think we shouted out, you just got a shout out! Uh, and But Phoebe missed it, so there you go. But it's okay because you can listen again. It's not like it's not like live radio where you miss out, you know. Do you remember those nights, Saturday night in Party Line? The regional ra- uh, radio station no. would, would, would say you can ring in and say things, and I used to ring up and say, please can you play... Stand and Deliver by Adam and the Ants or Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants. And can you give a shout out or whatever it was called back in those days? Can you say hello to Cindy and Simon? And one day my uh, the, the evil teacher at school who was the vice principal and he was he used to terrorise even the babies in school oh. with the cane. And one oh. day I was dragged into his office yeah. No, he was actually teaching a year six class. I was dragged into his year six class and he said, I was, and he, and he puts the shits right up you. He scares the hell out of you. <laughs> this is his, you know, this is his kind of psychological abuse. I look back on these days and I think it's horrific, actually. He's a horrible, horrible person. And he stood me in front of his classroom and he walked around me in circles saying, I listened to the radio on Saturday night. And I heard, <laughs> oh, say hello to Cindy and say hello to Simon. And all the class on cue had to laugh at me. Oh, and no. yeah, and then he kind of just made a fool of me and then let me go back to class. That's horrible. The year later when I was in his class, he used to oh. go around to the re- like the reception classes and the younger kids with his cane and just go in and roar and scare the hell out of them and then come back. He'd leave us in our classroom for hours. And then sometimes he'd lock someone up in the quiet room in our classroom what? and leave them there all day with the fear of the cane. I know. God. Mr. Chandler, if you're still alive, you should be ashamed of yourself. Wow. I've outed him. Look at that. Fury. Fury at the top of the show. So you should because that's just not on. And that would never wash these days. No way. Never wash. Not even My in a private God. school. Well, do you know what? <laughs> My brother actually had his mouth washed out with a bar of soap. 
Oh that's not goodness. that's not a joke. He came home and my mom was furious. Jen went down there with the fury of a thousand chooks and she <laughs> went <laughs> She went down there and she gave the <laughs> if for anyone who comes in, Jordy's doing the chucky neck and she went down there and she gave them a piece of her mind and I tell you oh, they they left him alone after that. But that's yes. just not on. You can't do those sorts of things to kids. Scarring. You know, these th- sort of psychological scars can stay with you forever. You can you can bury them and you don't know that they're there until something triggers you, like just now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was actually a line in The Crown. And I know that you weren't really a fan of The Crown. You I did. Enjoy that you remember series. I loved Tobias Menzies. Oh, yeah, that doe face. Mm. Anyway. No. Ah! So... Uh, but there was a line when it was all about Prince Charles and he was obviously bullied at school when he was a kid. And she had said, this was, um, what's face, Olivia Coleman. She she'd had some line where she said, bullied children turn into scarred adults. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. The abuse that kids suffer, they never lose it. No. They never, ever lose it. Bullied children go through life. Yeah. Really really emotionally scarred and I think that that's something it's it's really hard to deal with because I'm obviously not a parent you are but Mm. if your child ever got bullied I I just don't know how you would deal with it one of my children was bullied in in secondary school so I do know how how hurtful and how awful it can be and and the effects Mm. of it and the Mm. fact that as a parent you feel completely unable to do anything about it because if you charge in you can't burst in no no I've done that doesn't go down well (laughs) so yeah (laughs) well speaking of attacking children as a parent we're moving on to tv now I watched a show which I really loved and this is just more like tv recommendation out there it was a show called Ted Lasso I've heard a lot about that because it swept the boards at the Brit than the Brits at the BAFTAs, didn't it? It did. I don't know anything about it. It's done really well. It's so lovely. It's really fantastic. I would recommend anybody to watch it. I'll watch that. Even if you don't like football and there's a hard man who's actually a big softie. And right. yeah, there's a, a moment where there's a, a child who, who wants to go beat him up because he's bullying his, his niece. But yeah, no, it's oh. it's a wonderful, wonderful series. And actually, I had two more recommendations. Not... Okay. That I have watched, but maybe you have watched them. I, recommendations to huh? me. One oh. was Sex Education. Right. Have my, you watched my, it? My eldest son enjoys that one. No, I've watched a little bit, but I haven't gotten into it. Yeah. Uh, they were, my friend was saying, it's better than Fleabag. Oh. And I was thinking, okay, that's quite quite a big recommendation. Yeah. And the other one was How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. Oh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, apparently it's these two idiots who just stumble into being uh, drug dealers because they don't realise they're on the dark web and they become the drug dealers of the world. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently it's very good. So I I can't say that I've watched them. If anyone's watched them and think I should watch these programmes, let me know. Yeah, we'd love to hear your TV recommendations. Thank you. No, but really, I love a good TV rec. Love it. I often talk about Stephen Fry. You know how I love words and I love the pronunciations to be correct, even though I got tomb wrong. My husband said tomb the other day and I had to correct him. What? So why are some of us here in the UK think <laughs> that tome is doom? I think maybe it's like scone and scone. 
could be. Uh, Al, I don't think so. Tag it, just so you know. No, it, it's definitely tome. Mm, okay. Well, well, we'll leave that one open just in case somebody wants to go back to me. But uh, Stephen Fry is the one to ask. He always, he loves it when he hears a word pronounced correctly. He hates it when it's not. He's not a okay. big fan of the Australian accent either and the way it goes up at the end. Like it's a question No one mark. is. No one is. No one is. <laughs> but did you know that Stephen Fry went missing from a play that he was doing back in 1995 for about three days causing national concern about the poor chap no I did not know this I didn't think you did that's why I brought it up he was starring in a <laughs> in a play called cellmates in 1995 perhaps you weren't living in the UK by then no I wasn't so it was starring Rick Mail, my favorite I met Rick oh. I loved him I, I cried when he died and they had already done a run of the play in smaller theatres to really good reviews. But then it hit the West End very early on during the show, during the run. There was a couple of scathing reviews, I think one from the Financial Times, possibly one in The Observer. And also uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie was on at the time, which was Stephen's show with Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, who was wonderful as house. Loved him. I didn't watch that. And it sent him over the edge, Michelle. He just didn't turn up. He didn't let them know he wasn't coming, so the stand-in, you know, had to be had to be scrambled. And at first, know. it was reported as stage fright, but later, Stephen admitted to having bipolar disorder, and he said if he hadn't walked away, he would have taken his own life. Now, people were very worried that he had because he did go missing for three days. He was spotted in Bruges, I think, or Belgium somewhere, maybe Antwerp. I can't remember. And he'd left an answering machine message on his phone saying. Please leave a message unless you're a journalist, in which case you can fuck off. <laughs> I think he just had enough. And again, going yeah. back to the bullying we were talking about, it's it's a form of bullying. When you're a performer, yes, you ask for it, don't you? You ask for the, the comments and the criticisms and all of that. I mean, how else did you get there? How did you get to those dizzying heights to be, you know? Well, I don't know that anybody ever asks to be criticised. They don't. They might ask for a critique, yes, but to be actually criticised is is horrific. Absolutely, I think that when people do that to celebrities, and especially now in the world we live in, where, with online trolling, yes, because you don't even have to be a celebrity to be trolled. No, but I don't think they th- think about the toll on the actual human that they're trolling. Exactly. I mean, look at Caroline Flack dead. There were a few other Love Island celebrities who took their lives. This is why Love Island has been criticised. And anyone who knows me knows that I love Love Island. <laughs> you what? I love love. I love love. love. I love love. And you love I love, love love and I love Love Island. That's good. I'm but glad. But yeah, no, but it's very yeah. bad for people's mental Absolutely. health to be in the public eye if they cannot well, handle it. Somebody like Stephen Fry, who's incredibly intelligent, as we all know, he's very mm. successful. He he was riding high at that point in his career, 95. He was in everything, yeah. you know, and he was on stage and doing all these shows and he was tired and he was emotional and he had undiagnosed bipolar disorder and reading all these broadsheets and tabloids about his performance and scathing I mean you don't there is the option of not reading them but the problem is if you're sensitive and most performers and artists are sensitive I mean all humans Mm -hmm. have a capacity to be sensitive some more than others but it got to him and he had to take off and if he didn't he said he would have killed himself and that's serious That is serious. I wonder if he was bullied as a child. Probably. I'm not saying probably because he looks like he should have been, but we all were, weren't we, at some point or another? We all were, weren't we? 
Look at you. You're the bully. I can see your face. You're going, <laughs> I was never fucking bullied. <laughs> no, they didn't I get the opportunity. Bullied. I was too busy flushing their heads down the toilet. <laughs> I was lucky because I had a sharp tongue and I could cut people down with words because I definitely couldn't have protected myself with my physical size because I'm tiny. Yeah. Uh, but there was one time when uh, there were, I, we, we'd just gone to a new school and I was trying to, you know, establish myself and I was always a fast runner, believe it or not, even though my legs are like one inch long. And, <laughs> and there were these two girls who were the fastest runners in school and I had to do a running race and I came second. And actually it turns out I was running against the fastest girl in the whole region the ACT yeah in the whole region but I came second and I got a little bit of respect but actually before that they had been nasty about me and you know how I look and my surname and my sister stepped in and went don't you speak to my sister like that and it was amazing moment Mm. of solidarity between sisters and Steph, shout out to you. Thank you for coming to my rescue in that moment. Aww. And she's the little she's sister. She's younger. Yeah. Yeah. So. Amazing. But yeah, I was never bullied. I was never a bully, but I definitely took people down with words if I had to. Think of all the scars you've caused, Michelle, with yeah. those harsh words. Yeah. No, it's true. I did make people cry. Not nice. Just be a good person now, Michelle. No. No, I won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I try. You I do. try. I think everybody tries. Of course we they? do. We do our best. We can only do our best. And I think actually the advice for everybody in life is try, and it's hard, but try not to give a flying fuck about what anyone else thinks about you. If you're happy, that is that's all that matters. Perfect advice, Michelle. I back that one 100%. Now, I've been trying to tell you for the last couple of sentences now that last week I needed to make a correction about something that I referenced when we were talking about Ghosty Woasties. I was talking about a TV show which was based on a book called A Tale of Two Cities and it wasn't that. It was (laughs) called The City and the City by China Mieville and it's about two cities that occupy the same space but the inhabitants of each city train their brains not to see each other. What a concept. It's starring. Wow. What's his name? Oh. David. <laughs> David. Tennant. No. He was in the Roman Empire one, Britannia. David. No, mm, no idea. It starts with an M. Oh, what is it? David Moriarty or something like that. I can't remember. Morrissey. All right. No, that's, and that's on BBC, no? It was a BBC production, mm, okay. I believe. Yeah. You'd have to Google it because it was a, about a year or so ago. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. It sounds great, great. doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound really good. So what are we talking about today, Michelle? I was going to investigate the mystery of Harold Holt. Yeah. Who was an Australian Prime Minister in the 60s. Fascinating. Who drowned, who went swimming one morning and drowned. Assumed drowned because they never found him. Assumed drowned. They never have found his body. And I thought, wow, I want to learn more about this. Maybe there's a big mystery. Well... I actually don't think there was a mystery. I don't think he was abducted and, you know, whisked away by aliens. the Americans or the Russians <laughs> or aliens. I think actually he probably just got pulled under by the undertow, mm. taken up by Rip and then probably eaten by a shark. It happens. 
I'm not going to talk about Harold Holt today. Oh, so if you want to know about Harold Holt, there are other podcasts and news sources <laughs> where you can investigate for yourself. But instead, I thought, well, maybe I just need to look at a mystery. And this is not even a mystery. It's just really tragic. What is it? Princess Diana. <gasps> oh, what's going on with her these days? I mean, not, I know she's dead. <laughs> I know that. But there's been a lot of movies and biopics and... Well, if Princess Diana was alive, she would have turned 60 this year. Oh. And that's why there's been so much media coverage around what would have been this big milestone birthday for her. And, you know, there was the memorial statue that was um, unveiled at Kensington Palace earlier in the year. And that's why all of these TV shows are, like, all out there talking about her, looking at her life and how miserable she was with Prince Charles and how he never loved her and she had bulimia and anxiety. That's all brought up stuff about her death. I've just remembered something. What? Tamira, the modern mystic, sent me a message last two weeks ago, a news story that she read from a man who lives in Australia who is claiming to be the son of... Prince Charles and Camilla, and he was what? Bought, he was raised in Australia by some woman. I can't. I, I'll have to come back to you on that one, but it's oh out my there. God. And he sent letters to the government here or someone here. I think it was the police, and they and they had to hand deliver it to Prince Charles, and they confirmed that they did deliver. There's a, a letter or an email to this man saying we can confirm that your letter was delivered to H R H Prince Charles. Blah blah blah. What? Apparently the they have a son. Fuck? Well, I don't know how true it is. I need to look into it. That's for another day. I'm sorry. I was remiss. I didn't have that prepared because I didn't know you were going to do Diana. Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to have to look into that. And thank you, Tamira, for always your excellent leads and tips and info. So back to Diana because the way she died was horrific and There's always been speculation about her death. For anyone who maybe wasn't even born, who's listening to the podcast, uh, she died 24 years ago um, on the 31st of August, 1997, in a car crash because of uh, basically a high-speed paparazzi chase in Paris. And it really did shake the world. I mean, you were in London at the time. I was actually in Germany at the time when she died. I was with some mutual friends of ours. I'd had a holiday in Germany and we were on our way to Holland, to the Netherlands, to a castle where there was a wedding taking place. So we turned on, no, we weren't even turning on TV. It was on German television. Please turn to a new chat, news channel, important breaking news, blah, blah, blah. And I arrived back in London, probably about two or three days after Diana's death. So I was here for the funeral. I was here for all the aftermath, people queuing up outside Buckingham Palace. All of those flowers, miles of flowers, my God. The whole world was shook by her death. But even before she married Charles, and she married Charles in 1981, the world was obsessed by her because she was young and beautiful and she was everything you wanted in a princess, including the flicks. Do you remember those fucking flicks? The hair flicks. Everybody wanted those Diana hair flicks. That's coming back. It is coming back. I guess everyone bought into it because it was the fairy tale. Mm. But, you know, now, many, many, many years on, we all know behind the scenes she was miserable 
and she was living this awful, lonely life, throwing up in the toilets Aww. with her husband and family who didn't like her. But she always had the paparazzi around her because do you remember, even right back, they were hounding her when Charles hadn't even proposed to her. And there was Aww. that really famous footage of her trying to get into her little Honda Civic, going to her job as a preschool teacher. Mm. There was all that controversy because she had that skirt the that see-through, see-through skirt. That's all I can think about. <laughs> yeah. When she was she Lady Die. Yes, Lady Die. Because that's how she always was re- referred to in Australia. Lady Die. Lady there was Di. a song as well. Charlie's getting married at last. To a pretty, pretty girl, girl without a bust. A bust? Or a bra. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even know I that. I can't remember whether it's a bust or a bra. <laughs> ah, funny. But, you know... She did have a tragic life. And certainly, you know, I loved The Crown and I loved the series where they were talking all about her and the actress who played her was incredible. But yeah. yeah. And he he was horrible to her in the press. You know, before they even got married, someone said, so are you in love? And he was like, oh, yes, I suppose. Whatever love is. Whatever love means. Oh, I mean, it was just That was cringe. I remember seeing that at home with my parents because they're big fans of all that. And I just remember even as a, what was I like? very young thinking how awkward and I was too young to feel that awkwardness it, but it was horrible and can you imagine you're about to get married to somebody and they say that you'd be like fuck what that. the actual fuck yeah like here's your fucking ring on your bike yeah <laughs> on your bike then there was that wedding with that ridiculous dress dress I, I know knew it. yeah I and hate then that dress I there was horrible the train that, that went on, went on and, and on and on I know. And she looked so sad. She was the sad princess. Even and then she got day. his names wrong because he's got a hundred names. Did she get his name wrong? At some, at some point she stumbled upon his name because oh. it's Charles Louis Far Far etc. And she messed it up. No bloody wonder. And, and, the, and the pressure on that poor girl, you know, she wasn't even 20 at this point. Oh. So... And then there were Poor the thing. kids and, you know, all the speculation is Harry. Oh, yeah. And so Harry actually Charles's, which I don't think that's ever been cleared up, has it? Not really. They've never done a DNA test. They're never going to do that. Mm, maybe they don't want to. And then all the rubbish with Camilla and what, Squidgy Gate and tam- oh, yes. Tampon and all that rubbish. Tampon? And then, yeah. What? Didn't she say, oh... Oh, he, he said. He said something like, "Oh, That's I right, want to be inside back. you like a tampon." Or <laughs> I don't know. It was disgusting. Not very sexy, is it's it? It's not. Honestly, if that's the I wish I was talk. your tampon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Come on, mate, that's no got, good. That is no good. I don't think that's a chat up line for our young no. listeners. Don't use that <laughs> chat up line in a bar. It's not going to get you anywhere. <laughs> I did think that all of her good deeds, because obviously she had to do something. And I do think that she was a kind person who really did care about people. Mm. And, you know, her hugging, you know, children in hospitals and shaking and hands HIV. with the AIDS patient, which that one gesture changed the world. Yeah, absolutely. She was a game changer. She was. And I don't think that was fake. I think she genuinely really cared for people. And I think that's why people loved her. And she touched people all over the world because she really did 
have this affinity with people. Yeah. And, you know, and then all of that nasty stuff with the divorce and people still loved her. And then, of course, this accident happened. Well, first they had to separate, didn't they? Yes, they separated and they got divorced. And then she went on the Martin Bashir program and that's all going on at the moment. Well, he's actually been, well, there's nothing against him. They've, been, they've told him he's, he did nothing wrong. So okay. he's been cleared of all okay, he's been cleared allegations of, and charges. Of so. kind of coercing her through yeah. uh, feeding her false information, saying things like the yes. the nanny was pregnant and she'd had an abortion and all sorts of things yes. to rile Diana and up enough well, that to was, go on the record. That was Tiggy Leg Burke, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. And apparently Diana at some party went up to her and said, sorry to hear about the baby. And it was just re- probably the nastiest thing she's ever said, but it was awful. Yeah. And have you seen pictures of Tiggy Leg Burke? She was gorgeous. Uh, back in the day, yeah. She was stunning. You know, apparently the boys, Harry and, and the love other her yeah. still. Yeah, the other one. Yeah. But, you know, she had a really shit life, to be honest. Even though she was this princess, she was miserable. And yeah. I didn't even know about that, you know, that she had been going out with that doctor and sitting in on. What surgeries doctor? and all sorts. I didn't know. Yeah, she'd been seeing, secretly seeing this doctor that was the love of her life. and uh, But he ended up breaking it off with her because he said, you're just too famous and I don't want that. Yeah, not only that, everywhere she went, it was yeah. paparazzi, paparazzi. I mean, that's what ultimately killed her. But wasn't it really an accident, Geordie? Well, that's the thing that they say, Michelle. Well... In a nutshell, on August 30, I'm going to run you through like a little bit of what happened to her. So on August 30, Diana, and look, she was only 36 at the time. So fucking young. Diana and Dodie had just finished eating dinner at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. And Mm. Dodie's dad, Mohammed. Mohammed, I've met him. What? Well, I've worked at Harrods over the years. He used to walk through. He used to walk through it. Like there, there was always like a... A bagpipe band that went through at a certain time. And then he'd walk through and do his like, you know. And when, even to work at Harrods, which I didn't work for Harrods. I worked for another fashion company, but I had to go into Harrods to work for that company. I had to attend a, a, one of my precious Saturdays had to be used up going to this kind of induction day where Mohammed Al-Fayed would be telling you on a, a screen, he wasn't actually there, saying yeah. things like, you are very lucky to work here. This is a, a little community and we're all very, you know, you are oh, the Jesus. lucky one to be chosen. And to work there as a woman, you had to wear a skirt and a full face of makeup. But I got away with the skirt thing because I was a visual merchandiser. So because I'd be up ladders. Right. So you said that's not appropriate. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I was given leeway. Yeah. But you start to have full face of makeup. <laughs> you had to be dressed up, but I, I I was only in there for an hour or two at a time, like once yeah. in blue moon, so it didn't really matter. Bit of lippy yeah, on, that's enough. You'd always see Fayed and all yeah, those statues. Right. I think they're probably gone now because somebody else has bought it. But there's a big golden statue of Dodie and Diana dancing yep. through the meadows of eternity. And the engagement ring. Do you huh? remember that was he put the engagement ring that apparently Dodie was planning to ask her to marry him he oh he God. put it in some kind of resin and mounted it in the oh, in the front of Harrods yeah yeah mm. I remember saying that he was a big vo- voice against what the official story was he was very much looking to the royal family wasn't he he was and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that oh but for anyone who doesn't really know the ins and outs 
so Dodie and Diana, Diana had had dinner at Dodie the Dada. Dodie Dada. Dada Fuck you, now it's going to be one Sorry. of those days. Yeah. And they'd been eating at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. Yep. And apparently Jodie's dad owned that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And after midnight, just after midnight, Diana, Dodie and Diana's British bodyguard, Trevor Rees-Jones, got into yep. a Mercedes with private driver, Henri Paul. And they were apparently going back to Dodie's mansion at the time. My guinea pigs are in the room. I'm so sorry. What's happened? They're making a racket. They're up. They're upset about Diana. They they are. They're sad. Yeah, they are. So the French driver, who yes, Henri Paul, he actually was a licensed driver, and he was also the head of security at the Paris Rich. Ritz. Oh Oh my God, Paris Rich. (laughs) The Paris Ritz. So he was driving them, and reportedly was going seventy miles an hour. Which in kilometers is 113. Whoa. But it, yeah. Uh, but it was a 30 mile per hour zone, which is under 50, right? So it's like a school zone. So he was drinking as well, wasn't he? Yeah. So, dude, I mean, just picture this though. Dude was going over 100 <gasps> in the middle of Paris. They must have been shitting themselves in the back seat. Well, they were probably fucking smashed. That's why they, well, they weren't going to ever drive themselves, but yeah. He was, yeah, going too fast as he approached the entrance to the Ponte Alalma tunnel. And reports say that Henri, Paul, lost Because control. we've got Julien listening in, in <laughs> France, so we've got to yeah. say it right. I can't. I'm not French. I'm Italian, no. But he lost control of the car and collided into a pillar in the middle of the tunnel, killing himself and Dodie instantly. Yeah. But not Diana. No. She was still alive when the medics arrived and she was rushed Oof. to the Pitti Salpetriere Hospital. Well done with an Italian accent. I know. So early reports apparently say that Diana had a concussion, a broken arm, a cut up her thigh and Ooh. massive chest injuries. And after operating for two hours... The French doctors just couldn't get her heart going and she never regained consciousness. And she oh. basically died from internal bleeding at 4.53 a.m. August 31, 1997. And the only survivor was Trevor Rees-Jones. Now, I don't know if she had been speaking. Did you say something? I heard that she, when they, because there was a paparazzi were first on the scene. They were just taking photos through the windows. Okay. And I think... Or that she was moving and speaking at that point, and she was well, on the floor. There have of the been, car. Th- there have been reports where she did say some final things, like "What's going on?" Or I don't mm. know. There, she she was she did have some kind of consciousness, but I think it's probably speculation as to what her last words yeah. were. But sure. and look, after that, obviously, this is where all the conspiracy theories start. So. According to a statement from French authorities on the Monday after the crash, Henri had blood alcohol levels three times the legal blood alcohol limit in France. So basically he was drink driving and not just a little bit, like a whole fucking lot. And the other part of the story here is that according to eyewitnesses, Diana's Mercedes was being chased by paparazzi in cars and on motorbikes trying to get pictures of Diane Jodie. 
and that there were apparently bright lights in the tunnel um, and a car that sped away, which has never been identified. There were rumours that the Secret Service was involved and that the paparazzi, and this is shocking, took photos instead of helping her. Yeah. The thing here is that Dodie's father immediately came out to say this was no accident. They they were killed. They were bumped off. And the press just went wild. And you probably remember being in the UK at that time, how wild the press would have been. But the first theory was that Diana was pregnant. So Diana being pregnant was why, according to Muhammad al-Fayed, uh, the royal family wanted her dead because he was Muslim. And the theory that Muhammad al-Fayed, al-Fayed said, al-Fayed said, uh, right, said Fred, <laughs> he reckoned that the royals just couldn't face having a child who was Muslim, who was stepbrothers to the royals. Right. They did not want a link to any of that. So they had a kill. Shades of that with the Oprah Winfrey interview, perhaps? What do you mean? Well, you know, Henry, Harry, <gasps> Harry and oh, his um, I still missus. haven't seen that. I haven't seen I haven't it. seen it either. But there oh. was reports that a member or members of the family who shall remain nameless mm. have made comments about a brown baby entering the fold. Yep. Well, do you know what? Racism in that royal family, it's got to be rife. And like I said, you know, Muhammad basically thought that they couldn't accept an Egyptian Muslim being, right. you know, the stepfather of the future king of England. And basically the son of the, their local grocer. Oh. <laughs> That's what it was at the end of the day. Oh. They only shop at Harrods Food Hall. So basically they wanted to kill her off. And the pregnancy rumour wasn't new because during a few weeks, like, the, look, a few weeks earlier, they'd had a holiday in France and a few of the British tabloids speculated that she might be pregnant and then apparently Diana made a few cryptic comments in the media about a big surprise that she was going to announce but I mean you know she was thin as a rail and there was no Mm. sign of pregnancy during the post-mortem and blood tests taken after Diana had died found no sign of pregnancy however okay One of the reasons the pregnancy conspiracy still gets airtime is because people at the time just weren't convinced that the negative pregnancy tests were genuine. And apparently there was all this nonsense about the embalming process because apparently they started embalming her really fast. And the police at the time of her death didn't take any urine samples because obviously like pregnancy tests, you pee on a stick kind of thing. So they, you Mm. know... All these rumours started flying around. A, that they wanted to embalm her fast to kind of cover up things and B, about this urine. But then I read other reports saying the timing of the embalming was pretty standard and that because Diana's injuries didn't immediately suggest any kind of foul play, it's not standard practice to give dead women a pregnancy test or take urine. So... On some levels, it's not really strange um, because on one hand, I think if she was pregnant, it's been nearly 25 years. Surely that would have come to light by now. So I think that conspiracy theory is a bit yeah. I don't think she was murdered because she was pregnant. No, I think that's ridiculous. And I think that's just Al-Fayed's vanity speaking. 
Hmm. I think if anything, it would be more to do with the fact that she knows things and one day she could talk. So the second conspiracy was that Diana thought she was going to be killed by the royals. She had said it a few times, actually. Yes. So in 2003, Diana's former butler, Paul Burrell, he published a note that Diana had supposedly written right after the divorce from Charles in 96. It's been speculated that she was a bit paranoid. So the note read, I'm sitting here at my desk today in October, longing for someone to hug me and encourage me to keep strong and hold my head high. This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous. X is planning an accident in my car, brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for Charles to marry. And look, it may sound like someone's just writing some crazy shit, you know, because she's hurt and she's grieving for her marriage mm. and, you know, she's she's lonely. But when she wrote that letter, she actually had already had some problems with her car. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she wasn't being paranoid. And she'd raised concerns about the weird stuff going on with her car to people in the royal family. And she'd been brushed off. And then her ex-bodyguard... Barry Manneke had died in a car accident that she believed was a conspiracy theory, like conspiracy to kill him. And there were recordings of her saying he's been bumped off. And now look, Barry had actually been on a motorbike and he'd been hit by a car uh, with a woman called Nicola Chop driving. And she later came out to the press saying she'd been pressured into admitting responsibility for the car crash. And basically she had talked about seeing dazzling lights in front of her on the night of the crash. Now, this has led people to believe that both vehicles, so her car and the motorbike, had been um, sort of deliberately distracted on the road by these Mm. bright lights. And she came out saying, I have always wondered if some more sinister forces were at work that night, although I could never prove it. And she says, I believe with conviction I was not the cause of Barry Manneke's death. But... The mystery car with the bright lights has never been found. It's never been traced. And no evidence has ever been made public to prove that Barry's death was a conspiracy. However, Diana was obviously on high alert about this. And she thought a car crash was the thing that was going to bump her off. And, I Mm. mean, whether or not it, it was a conspiracy, she was right. That's how she died. And all of those bright lights in the tunnels that people say they saw... It's, there's a connection right there. But if Diana wrote that note after she was already divorced, to me, that doesn't really add up because if she was divorced, there was no reason now. Then the now. way was clear. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She, you know, Charles can marry Camilla. So, but like I said, I don't think it's about the marrying and I don't think it, because they stopped him from marrying Camilla. They set her up with yeah. the other bloke yeah. that she married. Yeah. That's what it Parker happened Bowles. in the crown anyway. Parker yeah. Bowles, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it was... I don't. I think it was more to do with her being a loose cannon, yes. and the fact that she was so popular, more popular than the royals. They couldn't yeah. control her. But look, if you go online, there are a thousand conspiracy theories about Diana. But the upshot of all of this is, there were so many of these conspiracy theories that London Met Police got on board and set up Operation Page. And looked to look at all these conspiracy theories and they chucked them all out. They said that basically none of them were real. But do you trust that? That's also one for the conspiracy theorists. 
But in 2019, Dr. Richard Shepard, who apparently is a top forensic pathologist in the UK, came out and said that Diana had actually died of this really rare, super tiny, very unfortunately placed hair in the vein of her lung. And he said that this injury was so specific and so rare that in his entire career, he's never seen anything like it before or since. And he wrote a book about it called Unnatural Causes. But anyway, he believes that Diana's death could have been prevented if she'd just done one thing differently. And that was wear a seatbelt. Yes. Because he reckons if she'd been wearing a seatbelt, she probably would have been like back out of the hospital, back out out into the public. Wow. Two days later, with a black eye, fractured ribs, probably a broken arm, cut up leg, whatever. But because she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, it was basically the one factor between her life and, well, between yeah. life and death. And you know yeah. how I said that the only survivor of that crash was her bodyguard, Trevor Reese jones yeah. He was the only one wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. That's why he lived. So there yeah. you go. He like, also has no memory of the, of the night. Apparently. Are you fucking kidding me? That's convenient. No one's had any information from him, I believe. I, I, I yeah, want to anyway. put him under hypnosis. Anyway, <laughs> there you go, ah, people. Wear a seatbelt. Yeah, and write in if you have your own theories about what happened to, to Diana yeah. because I'm not crazy royal. I just, you know, did some – I'm going to say – I was going to say Googling, but I use DuckDuckGo now. Wow, that's mm. interesting. Yes, no tracking, more private. Anyway, so there you go. Please get in touch with your theories. What do you reckon? Hmm. How about no? Well, on Mysterious Deaths, Michelle, yes. we spoke last week very briefly about Natalie Wood and I can't remember why we mentioned her. Well, because she had owned the house that Dan <gasps> oh, Aykroyd yes. owned. Ah. All mystery, spooky house. Mama Cass. Right, well, we just, I decided that I would look more into her death because I have actually heard a podcast on this and I can't remember which one it was probably one of those podcast ones but I found an article from Vanity Fair which was from a book called The Complete Biography of Natalie Wood or it's called Natalie Wood The Complete Biography <laughs> and it's by a woman called Suzanne Finstad and she wrote the first version in 2001 but then she wrote another version in 2020. <gasps> yeah. So new info. Exactly. Other information from this for this story came from Wikipedia and The Independent. So Natalie Wood was born Natalia Nikolaevna Zakarenko in July 20th, 1938. Russian. So uh, she was born on July 20th, 1938. She was an American actress who began her career in film as a child actor and successfully transitioned into young adult roles. So she was in Miracle on 34th Street that Christmas movie. She was an eight-year-old, but she was also in Gypsy. Did you see that about Gypsy Rose Lee? That was 1962 film. And she received nominations for the Academy Award for Best Actress for her performances in Splendor in the Grass with Warren Beatty in 1961 and other things. Okay. She's doing lots of things, right? She was in Maria. She was, um, she was West Side Story. She was beautiful. And she was Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean, all of those things. And she Blimey. was a brilliant actress. Her okay. her peers thought very highly of her. Okay. She married actor Robert Wagner, now of heart-to-heart fame. Yes. 
But at the time, he was like a Bobby Sox pin-up idol kind of guy. She married him twice. Oh, why? Yeah. What? They first married in 1957 and divorced in 1962. And during that time, after that time, sorry, Wood went on to date Warren Beatty, Michael Caine and David Niven Jr. And she also had a broken engagement in 1965 with shoe manufacturer Ladislav Blatnik. But during that time, she also married a British producer called Richard Gregson, who she dated for nearly three years. They got married in 69, had a daughter, Natasha Gregson Wagner, who's now an actress. She was born in 1970. Sorry about all the names. But then they separated the following year. So and then divorced in 1972. So the way is clear. But she's a little bit unlucky in love, it sounds. Does sound like it. But she resumed her relationship with Wagner. And by the end of January 72, shortly after her divorce from Gregson, they remarried. They remarried in July. Actually, they got back together in January of 72 and remarried in July. So there you have her potted relationship history. Now, Susanna Finstad's 2001 biography of Wood alleges that she was raped by a powerful and well-known actor when she was only 16. And Finstad states that she spoke to five of Natalie's close friends and revealed that the same married film star raped her so brutally that she was physically injured, but she was too frightened to report it to police. Oh, my God. This is shades of Harvey Weinstein. Someone that we'll all know, right? And it's never come out. Uh, I don't know. I've got my suspicions, but I'm not going to say anything. Mm. But I don't know. I'm sure you could Google it or duck, duck, go it. (laughs) Natalie Wood's body was found floating in the Pacific Ocean off California's Catalina Island in a flannel nightgown, a down jacket and wool socks on November the 29th, 1981. Wow. She had spent that Thanksgiving weekend aboard her 15 foot yacht Splendor with her husband, Robert Wagner, and her Brainstorm co-star. She was filming this film called Brainstorm at the time, and her co-star was Christopher Walken. And he joined them on board, as well as the ship's young captain, a man called Dennis Davin. Okay. Now, on November 30, the next day when they'd found her body, the medical examiner of LA County Coroner's Office, Thomas Noguchi, Mm -hmm. announced her death as accidental drowning. And he noted there were superficial bruises on Wood's body, likely from falling in the water, and scratch marks on the yacht's dinghy as evidence of her attempts to climb on board before succumbing to exhaustion. uh, She couldn't swim, by the way. Well, where were the two boys jumping in to save her? Three. Three men on board that boat. So Wagner's version was this. Upon returning to the boat, following an offshore meal with others, basically him, it was just him, uh, Walken, Natalie Wood. Okay. That was it, I think. He had an argument with Walken about Wood. So it's said later on that they, he said later on in an interview with his daughter, his stepdaughter, that it was about whether she should continue acting or giving up to spend more time with the family. And Walken had said, well, actually, she's an amazing actress. She shouldn't give it up. And Wagner apparently got upset with him in this huge argument. Mm. And he says this is the moment where Natalie Wood excused herself from the room. And when Wagner finally went to find her in her room, he found her to be missing. Right. Before they found her body in the water. That was his version. Now, little Captain... Dennis Davin, was that his name? Can't remember. Davin. His version was from a March 2000 story in Vanity Fair 
which he had an interview with, he said that Wood and Walken had been flirting throughout the weekend and that things had turned nasty after the foursome returned to Splendour. So he must have been having dinner with them as well. So after they'd returned to Splendour after this evening, spent drinking on the island... And according to Davin, Wagner at some point smashed a wine bottle on the table and yelled at Walken, what are you trying to do, fuck my wife? Hmm. I did think there might have been something between Wal- mm. like Natalie and... Walken and Wood, mm. yeah. All the wobble, all the wobble wah, 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 wah. Wood stormed off and slammed the door of her room. This is still Davin's version of events. Yeah. With Wagner eventually heading down to confront her. Shut up. With Wagner eventually heading down to confront her, setting off what Davin recalls as an epic fight. He claims to have heard the dinghy being untied before Wagner returned, all tousled and tussled and sweating profusely. Okay. Right. Walken had gone to bed and Captain Davin and Wagner stayed up for more drinks before Wagner said he would check on his wife at around 1.30 a.m. Okay. Then he returned with the news that he couldn't find her, prompting Davin to conduct his own search of the boat. And at that point, the captain recalled that Wagner rejected his suggestions to turn on the floodlights and <gasps> look for wood in the water. No. Right? Okay. Wagner Dodgy. said, we don't want to do... Yeah. Da- Wagner had said to Davin, we don't want to do anything, Dennis, because we don't want to alert all these people. There were boats, other boats in the water around them. The actor... What? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, that's what he said. Your wife's missing, but you don't want to wake people up. Go fuck yourself. I know. Yeah. They eventually called a radio for help, but that was after he refused to search for two and a half hours, Michelle. Oh, my God. The woman's not on the boat. Fucking hell. Going back to Walken and Woods flirting, mm. they, may, they may have been flirting. They were in a film together at the time. They were playing lovers. There was a, a love scene in this film, but... An affair between Walken and Wood was dismissed by the director of Brainstorm because that sex scene, there was zero chemistry between the two of them. (laughs) So he's like, that can't be right. Yeah. So going back to Natalie and her background as a Russian immigrant. Well, she wasn't a Russian. She was born in America, I believe. But her family were Russian immigrants. And she suffered psychological abuse as a child star. And she developed a range of paranoias and phobias. Oh, God. Her mother was quite a full-on kind of stage mum kind of thing. And she, at one point, had told people that she believed that her dolls in her bedroom were alive and spoke to her. Okay. At age 15, she was pimped to Frank Sinatra. What? Oh, my God. She was forced to return an engagement ring to her high school sweetheart who tried to kill himself afterwards. She's not had a nice life. No, she hasn't. Then she was exploited into sex as a teenager with a 42-year-old director named Nicholas Ray who pro- to prove that she could play a bad girl in Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is shocking. Then Finstad has... She believes that she has uncovered the reason why her first, her first marriage to Robert Wagner ended. Okay. It was to protect Wagner's image, she says, because... Natalie publicly took the fall for their sudden divorce in 1961 and she never refuted the gossip that it was ended over an alleged affair that she had had with Warren Beatty while filming Splendour in the Grass. There's fucking kids, pigs, dogs, everything. (laughs) According to three of Natalie's close friends, including her mother's best friend and her sister Lana, they told Finstead that Natalie found Wagner in bed with a man. (gasps) No. Controversial. Oh, my 
God. <gasps> now, this has not been, this is only from this memoir, not memoir, this is from this book that Finstead has written okay. and her investigation. So I'm not saying whether this is accurate or not. But her sister Lana does recall Natalie arriving home in hysterics at their parents' house with her hand bleeding. And Natalie then ended up in hospital, dazed and in shock after taking an overdose of sleeping pills and going into a coma. A lifetime of psychological damage and abuse had led Natalie to multiple suicide attempts, daily psycho psychoanalysis she was a big fan of psychoanalysis like a like an early adopter of the of that yeah and fears of being alone at night so intense that she regressed to her child self this woman is not psychologically well god she had a lot of mental health issues and probably not a lot of help so anyway going forward there was her deepest fear of all which was a prophecy told to her mother by a gypsy. Now, her mother was very superstitious. And of course, that gets passed down, doesn't it? It does. She, this gypsy woman told uh, Natalie's mother that she would die in dark water. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. The LA Sheriff's Department officially reopened its investigation into Woods Drowning in November 2011. And oh. a source had information that Christopher Walken said he'd heard the fight between Wagner and Natalie and that he told a friend not not long after Natalie drowned that Wagner had pushed her. So when Lana asked the two lead investigators about Walken's new statement, they told her that Walken would only speak to them if this information was never brought to light. Hmm. Another two new witnesses were present at Natalie Wood's autopsy and observed significant wounds to Natalie's head. Investigator Ralph Hernandez said the head wounds may indicate she was in a violent fight and was pushed or tossed into the water whilst unconscious. Right, so there's a big cover-up going on here. Fucking hell. Things aren't adding up and they reopened. So they're obviously... A coroner's assistant at the time noticed bruising not consistent with slipping and falling on her thighs, etc., which looked more likely she was holding on and being pushed off the boat. (gasps) So she fought for her life. Exactly. Is it possible that Wagner dropped the dinghy in to make it look like Natalie had gone ashore to, or to back up his story? They say they heard her, They it was banging against the the, the boat okay. and she couldn't sleep. So they, they theorised that she got up in this nightgown, slippers, socks, the down jacket, went to untie the dinghy and to stop it from banging so she could sleep and slipped and fell. That is the official story that was given in the beginning, right. but ultimately, yeah. So the captain, Captain Davin said he heard the dinghy being dropped into the water after the horrible fight he'd overheard on the rear deck and that he saw D- Wagner somewhere near the dinghy. And the next time Davin saw him, he was sweating and looking like he'd been in a struggle and the dinghy was gone. Hmm. The last words that Davin heard him Wagner say to Natalie were get off my fucking boat. And of course there was the refusal to search for two and a half hours yeah but ultimately michelle in 2012 the los angeles county chief coroner amended wood's death certificate and now if you google it you'll see that it's changed the cause of death has been changed from accidental drowning and they put that down to her drinking beforehand to drowning and other undetermined factors (gasps) wow so they know something fishy's going on here We'll never know because they're they're saying yes, but no. Mm. The amended document included a statement that it's not clearly established how she ended up in the water. But this is interesting because they are definitely leaving the door open here. They are, absolutely. Now, Lana Wood now refers to Natalie's death as murder. She said that Guy McElwain, 
I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but he was her powerful Hollywood agent and he represented her at the time. He got in touch with Lana a few days after her death and he'd just been to Robert Wagner's house. And Lana says that Wagner told McIlwain what had happened on the boat that night. And McIlwain said to Lana, I would tell you, but I don't trust you. So when she asked him what he meant by that, McIlwain replied that one day Lana would probably talk and he didn't want Wagner to get hurt anymore and he said nobody needs to get hurt anymore oh cover up cover up cover up so listen at the at the end of the day michelle there were three men aboard that boat with natalie wood yep and they should all be held accountable as much as i love walken because i do i love him too yes he's magnificent anyway she disappeared off her boat after an argument with her husband so heated that it could be heard on other boats but hours passed before anyone with Natalie called for help. He did it. Do you know what? Whether or not it was an accident, I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean to kill her, but he fucking did. And then he was like, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to lose every fucking thing. And bad. He it if that's up. the case, that's fucked. That's really bad. Yeah, but he's selfish. He's an actor. This fact and the silence from all three men that followed wove Wagner, Davin and Walken together in the conspiracy forever so sorry christopher walken that people keep asking you about it he's been very snippy in the past in interviews going i don't want to talk about it it's fucking boring but dude you were there so it's important michelle to note that uh the daughter that wagner adopted natasha gregson wagner she interviewed her 90 year old stepfather last year Mm -hmm. for a documentary and she still believes his story after all these years yeah, but you can't that that's ridiculous. She should never have interviewed him. You need a hard ass journalist with with objectivity and yeah. someone who's not emotionally She's 91. Invested. Don't care. You're never too old to get to the bottom of the truth, really. <laughs> no one's changed the story in all these years. They've stuck by him. They're actors. They know how to deliver. They know how to deliver the same story over and over. You mentioned his name earlier, um, Miramax. What's his name again? Harvey Weinstein. His awful name. Harvey Weinstein. He went down like a sack of shit eventually. Yeah. And people were people were protecting him all up until a point. And I think Ronan Ronan Farrow was one of the main guys to bring him he down. Was We've talked about this before. But you think about Weinstein. It wasn't just one incident. Because people can cover up one incident. You cannot cover up years and years and hundreds of women of of, you know all that abuse that's too much one incident with only three players involved yeah and you're an actor you can cover it up because you think about the the ship's captain he's got a completely different story to Mm. the other two but then he didn't go to the police he went to vanity fair and he got paid dollar yeah, for that story. Yeah, but actually Vanity Fair is fantastic and their journalism is super credible. I I okay. think they are really brilliant and they actually go the extra mile. Vanity Fair pay their journalists to do years and years of research for one story. You know, they wow. really they really put money behind their mm. articles. So I I am 100% convinced that they have uncovered stuff and well that's good to know and police can you really trust the police the amount of police corruption in the world Mm. I don't know my uh, when I was talking to Jen because she had brought up Natalie Wood because we were you know it's been in the last podcast she said oh everyone knows Robert Wagner did it 
Oh, so even your mum knows. Even Jen knows. So, <laughs> but it I must mean, be true. But who else? Who else? You know, whether it's like I said before, an accident or deliberate. Something went mm. down that night. She didn't just fucking slip and drown. That's not what happened no. here. So, really interesting. Well done. Yes. Thank you, Geordie. Thanks. And thank you for the Diana stories too. That was especially the last little parting shot about her injury and wearing a seatbelt. I mean, what was she doing not wearing a seatbelt? Come on, guys. But when was... She's a landmine campaigner. I know. But I guess if you're drunk and you're rich and you're just being driven home, you don't think... what. Once that driver hit 70 miles an hour, I think my seatbelt would have been clunking and clicking all over the place. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's take home. Take home message, kids. Take home message, everybody. Wear your seatbelt and maybe don't remarry a husband that cheated on you. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't trust your husband on a boat. No. Never trust a husband on a boat, <laughs> especially after lots and lots of wine and champagne. I don't know. That's a terrible message. Anyway, Mish, it's time for us to part ways it for another is, week. But I love that story. Thank you so much. I'm actually going, I'm really, that's piqued my interest. I'm going to go yeah. do some sleuthing on DuckDuckGo. And then go and watch Gypsy. That's a great film. And maybe even Brainstorm, her last film. I don't even know if she managed to finish it. Well, I want to watch Rebel Without a Cause. In fact, I would like to start going on an odyssey of classic Old films. films. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, who, who? Oh, hoot. lovely to see your gorgeous face today. And lovely to see you yours with your prophylactic hat. Oh, I love Jesus. the look. It's very youthful. Oh, thank you. All the kids love these hats. It's a beanie that looks like a condoms just about to be rolled down. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> oh, thank you. I basically got penis so, head. Thanks. You look like you're very safe. You're a safe. <laughs> I'm a safe bit. <laughs> safe sex kind of girl. <laughs> no, I know that they're fashionable. I see them on the teens, those hats. I see them. On the teens. Thanks so much. On the teens. No, I feel... It looks good on you. I agree. Anyway. <laughs> At least you have a nice warm head. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's what he said. Um, so, oh, and on that note, <laughs> we will say whatever you do, just keep eavesdropping, 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 eav